Hey everyone, welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast where single player gamers can find out about good single player games to play. And we also do deep dives into those people, into people who are making these glorious single player games, which we're going to do today. So I want to encourage you before we begin, um, if you haven't already joined the Single Player Experience Discord server, that's the perfect place to talk to, talk to me and talk to other people about some of the single player games they're playing as well as you know get deep in deep in depth into some of the reviews we post as well as just um first access into all of our episodes so the link to the single player experience discourse server will be in the show notes but without further ado let's let's forget all about the housekeeping today we're jumping in to one of the games that i played late last year and really thoroughly enjoyed the but I, I'm not talking about this game all alone. Sometimes you get solo episodes where I just rant about games that I played. You're not getting that this time because we have a very special guest. Everyone, I want to welcome, introduce you to one of the best developers in the business right now. He is the creator of Kanga Seeds of Civilization. He is the one, the only, Eric Rupin. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. No, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. So for the people who may not know you, Eric, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. So like you said, my name is Eric. I am um, a, since I have a bit of a weird history because I'm not really a game developer by um, education. Mm-hmm. This is a, my first game, first of all, and I'm also solo, I'm a solo dev and self-taught. So this is kind of a big passion project to get this game out the door. That's amazing. And yeah, you it's, you played it. It's pretty complex. It has a lot of different things going on. A lot of uh, it's it has its problems, but it has its charm as well, which I think it's kind of nailed that. No, for sure, for sure. It's one of the things that like so you as a like a, a solo developer to have like a game with all these complex systems, so to speak, is mm-hmm. is really a huge undertaking. You know, but we'll get into all that um, as the episode progresses, though. Eric, uh, I want to ask you, how long did it take you to to make um, Kinga? Uh, so I worked on it two years part time while I was doing a full time job as a uh, at a marketing company, which was terrible. And then <laughs> I worked two years full time after that. So it's been about four years. Oh, OK. No, that's yeah. fun. That's fun. So we dove kind of into some of the details of the game, but let's tell everyone for the people who haven't like dove into the game, but let's tell everybody what the game's about. Who better to tell them than you at this point? So yeah. what is your pitch on Kainga Seeds of the Civilization to our audience? So Kainga is kind of a, it's a roguelite city builder. Well, I call it a roguelite village builder because it's kind of a smaller scale than most city builders. But the, basically the way it works is you build a city uh, that's adjusted to your environment. So you choose technologies based on what's around you, what you think is best for the challenge you're trying to accomplish at that time. And um, it, you, most of the games are quite quick. So it could be like 20 minutes to about 60 minutes. And then you either win or you lose. And then you go up to the hub world and do a bit of meta progression and then dive back in and try again with a different cast or a different um, set up different technologies and things like that. So it's kind of a weird game because uh, I took the city builder genre and I just took away everything I didn't like about it and uh, added a bunch of stuff that I thought would spice up the genre quite a bit. Uh, for example, um, I didn't like how in a lot of city builders, 
the first thing you do is just clear cut the forest. You just cut everything and there's like a flat area where you can just start your town, which I appreciate, but I wanted to add more verticality with mountains, uh, cliffs, things like that. And I also wanted to have a system where you didn't stockpile thousands of logs mm-hmm. and instead the people would go out and get the resources as they needed. That makes complete sense. You know, like, um, I've played a lot of CD builders over the time and a lot of roguelikes, but it's very rare that I had a mixture of those two combinations. So that's kind of one of the things that really stood out to me while I was playing. It was just like, I played, you know, roguelikes is probably like, I think my most commonly played genre at this point, because it seems like there's a roguelike every five minutes, but like, but, and, but the CD builder aspect kind of took me by surprise. Uh, like, how did you get the inspiration to mix those two aspects? Well, it was tricky at first. Um, I basically, I wanted to create a city builder that had shorter runs because I was working full time. And, you know, sometimes you like finish work and you're like, all right, I want to play for about 30 minutes. So I don't have time to play those like eight hour games of civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was where I started. And then I actually found a lot of friction between the two genres of, of city builder and roguelite because um city builders require you to plan ahead. They require you to think like long-term as well as short-term, whereas roguelites require you to think on your feet and like react to what's going on. So having to mix those two was really tricky. And the trick that, the way I managed it and the way I think other, there are a couple other roguelite city builders, but they don't have the same aspect is I scrapped the whole idea of a technology tree and instead, you have to find your technologies out in the world based on categories. So you, that's where the reaction comes in. So you as a player think, okay, what do I need right now? I really need some sort of combat technology. And you have to go out and find that combat technology and then choose which one is best for you in that, in that play session. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you should mention that. It's like you're right. There's there is a couple of other ones. Like I recently, I guess the only game I played that's like comparable that I played in recent memory was Cult of the Lamb, to where you're kind of like managing yeah. a managing a village. But like you're right, the they had a dedicated tech tree versus in this game you're out there kind of feasting and famming and almost trying to like race, so to speak, to get like those technologies before other other civilizations get them. But it's funny you should mention that, like um, Civ, uh, Civilization, by the way, because that's probably one of my most played games of all time. It's yeah. like, it is one of the, it is very different going from like traditionally playing a Civilization Five or Civilization Six game to playing Kainga and like mm-hmm. having that mindset to where you have to like, oh, well, I'm used to planning long term and trying to plan like almost 20 moves ahead to try to like figure out how my how I'm going to win this strategically in the manner that I'm going to whether it be like mm-hmm. conquest or religion or or whatever have you in this game it's almost like you're doing quick hits you're trying to build up as quickly as possible and well mm-hmm. all the while while like there's 10 different things that could be happening in the world like villages are taking out one another and you're wondering if you're going to be next you know like yeah. you also have like several resources that are uh, re- like several people who are gathering resources for you on the other side of like your village so it's like it's, there's a lot to manage here in this game like how did you how did you figure uh, or come up with that mechanic to where this game is very much almost like real time lived in versus like games like civilization where it's very turn based yeah i didn't want um a lot of the games like civ and a lot of the space games 
you just it ends up being like a spreadsheet manager almost mm -hmm. like you just have to check okay are my numbers going up okay that looks good and i wanted to really get rid of all that i actually had a hunger system for a little bit but it just felt too needy so everything that in the game is just is supposed to be visual so when somebody gets like when somebody dies they just die you know it doesn't there's no it doesn't tell you what their health is before they die um a lot of there's a lot of disasters and problems that come up quite randomly that make you kind of have to react to them instantly instead of um uh, a lot of drawn out things like civ uh, yeah it's it's tricky i mean some players bounce off of it because of those reasons as well because they want to be able to plan things do the grand strategy which is fine but i think there's a niche and there's a space for everything Oh yeah, for sure. You're right. There's like a very specific niche here that I think you're appealing to because like you, you like that roguelike element, it really mm -hmm. adds a unique twist to everything. And it, it almost it like civilization. I can play like four games of civilization over the course of like five months. And I, mm -hmm. if I'm being honest, like all four of those games are going to, they're going to have a little bit of differences, but they're going to mostly play very similarly. And this yeah. one, like because of the roguelike elements and because of like the skill tree that you progress outside of like each run is, I can't remember playing three or four games that felt the same, that feels yeah. the same, whether it be because of the environments, whether it be because of like how quickly I was attacked or how quickly like a natural disaster struck. It's like all these things add like a mixture to where like none of these, none of my runs felt the same. And I've, I want to give you kudos to that. Cause that's something like to do a good roguelite, you have to absolutely nail that. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's cool. That's good to hear. Um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine not. There's so many systems pulling and pushing uh, in different directions. And I think part of it is just the variety. So there's, in one game, you get probably about 10 technologies, 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but there's over 300 to choose from. So like when you play one game, you're like, oh, I'll go for this thatched house. And then, you know, you get struck by lightning, everything burns down. So the next game you play, <laughs> you're like, okay, forget that. I'm going to go with clay instead. And then you're like, wait a minute, I don't have enough clay. So the resource becomes resource management becomes your problem instead of like fire extinguishing. And then the next game, you know, you're right next to a neighbor and he's kind of being rude, <laughs> demanding <laughs> things and you have to deal with that instead. So yeah, there are, yeah, I think it's good. There's just a lot of problems and a lot of ways to solve those problems and you have to kind of be clever. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to um, ask you a little bit about like the game's art style. Like this is a game that kind of like, has it's a weird kind of art style because like the people themselves almost look like they came out of like a comic strip or like you know yeah. they're very much in that art style versus the environment it feels like the environment is a completely different art style to where they kind of merge together and, and create like this really pretty symmetrical image that you're you're looking at but like how'd you get the inspiration to do those two different art styles in the game i knew i wanted the 2d characters mm -hmm. uh, from the beginning because of a game I used to play when I was a kid called Populous the Beginning. It's like this old 90s game. And they had, it was one of the first games to have 3D worlds, but they had 2D characters as like a, a constraint back then because they weren't able to have the polygons or whatever. <laughs> but I really like that style and they use these really, I just think it looks goofy and it kind of makes it a little bit more fun. 
So when your people kind of, they get in fights and like fall into the water, watching these 2D characters do that, it just seems really enjoyable. Um, but for the rest of it, I wanted to do a low poly style and kind of do mix, mix the colors all together, keep natural colors, but also have a lot of flair. So um, it took some time to get the art style. And to be honest, for the first two years, the game looked terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it, it all came together quite nicely. But I, I had some trick, I had some problems with like, at what point do items or do things not become 2D? Because I started off with some of the creatures being 2D as well, but it just looked weird when they were so large. Because the creatures are very large in this game. Humongous, absolutely humongous. Yeah, so I had to say, okay, anything bigger than a person is 3D and anything smaller than a person is 2D with, like, with a couple exceptions. Yeah, and so like I was gonna mention this later on, but you since you brought up the the big monsters and the big creatures mm -hmm. and such like that, like for the most part, a lot of this game is like grounded to a certain extent. Like it is very mm -hmm. much like early civilization um, type of like I guess you could say like city builder. But then you have like these huge monsters. Just mm -hmm. the, like some of them are like Goliaths compared to your character. Some of these feel like they're almost like. Um, I don't know if you've seen the anime Attack on Titan, but like it is very much uh, like they're like Goliaths as opposed to like these creatures. And some of them, you know, like are very friendly to where like, hey, they mostly, you know, are inadvertently messing up things as opposed to like actively coming in and hunting you down. But then there's like other creatures to where like they're a little more aggressive. How did you get the inspiration to add these monsters and, and add this monstrous element into the game? Um, I, that's exactly the way I was trying to make it play out in the player's mind where they open mm -hmm. it up and they're like, okay, this is like a regular city builder. I have my houses, my farms, my uh, storage hut and things like that. And then I wanted to kind of show that there's more going on to be discovered. So then you like, you look around and it's like, whoa, what is that? So there's this huge creature walking around and then you have to discover the interactions that it has that those creatures have. Like you said, some of them are passive, some of them mm -hmm. are not so passive. So I think a lot of people, most players at some point will kind of walk up to one of the giant snails and just get immediately melted by their acid breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a fun moment of like, oh, okay, I don't know anything about this world. There's a lot to be discovered. Yeah, you so made that, a world that keeps everybody on their toes for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also the technology starts out really normal with like things people know and understand. And the more you play, the weirder it gets. Mm -hmm. So like the late game stuff, it's like clouds. You start out with, yeah, like boats and uh, farms. And then as it goes on, you get um, like windmills that push clouds away or balloons or things like that. Like things that convert uh, items to other items or create ghosts out of people and stuff like that. So it kind of expands exponentially into to keep that exploration, keep that, that desire to to discover and see what else is next yeah for sure i i want to um, talk to you about like the creatures and everything like that i found a feature that would allow you to like build civilizations on their back and mm -hmm. i was just like this is amazing i i that's one of the like features i had never seen in another video game like where mm -hmm. did that idea come from I just saw them and I was like, you know, I have to, why not? <laughs> <laughs> why can't, I always thought, you know, why, why can't you build on the, the creatures? Mm -hmm. Or like, if, if those creatures were in that world, what would, 
so I, initially I was like, okay, well, you should be able to tame them so you can mm -hmm. have them on your side. And then if those people were to taming those creatures, what would happen? So I just kind of followed the logical steps of they would kind of use them in their military and then in their economy and uh, build houses on them if they could. <clears throat> so yeah, it just, um, I'm, I don't know if it, how useful it is, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I didn't get attacked as much when I was a, a moving civilization like that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So I felt like that that was a really useful feature. I want to um, talk to you about the characters themselves or like the... I guess you could say the the villagers, the different tribes, so to speak, mm -hmm. like a lot of them are, it seems like of African descent. Was that like, um, was that something you had like intentionally started out whenever you thought about creating this game or was that something that kind of came later? No, it's, I took influences from all over the world mm -hmm. and I did uh, randomize skin tones. I thought that was important um, from the beginning. Uh, because I didn't want it to single any. Actually, I was really worried from the beginning that I would, uh, that someone would be, uh, see their culture misappropriated. Because mm -hmm. I'd taken inspiration from from Africa, a lot of from Asia, from the Middle East, Native Americans, as well. Just trying to pull everything and mix it together. And try yeah. to and try to. The reason is because I do a lot of traveling in my life <laughs> so i've been to like over 60 countries i've lived in almost 10 um and i see cultures from around the world and i wanted to know like you go to all these historical places like castles and monuments and, and old villages and i wanted to know like why do cultures develop the way they do because mm -hmm. in most games you have this like we said before this linear tech tree where everyone gets writing first and then they get papers like that's not how it works <laughs> some cultures never got writing um so i wanted to see i wanted to know why cultures got different technologies the, when they did and not other ones so i wanted to teach the player these things as they were playing uh as well so you would end up if you were you know growing a civilization in the desert you would end up going towards it start evolving your town to look more like desert cultures like uh, Moroccan or things like that. Uh, so I guess that's a roundabout way of saying, I'm trying <laughs> to mix as many cultures as possible um, uh, in kind of an evolution mm -hmm. of your town. As I feel player, like- you gotta, Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was just gonna say, I feel like you did that well. Cause I'm like, like you said, it's a, that's a, almost like a tight, a tight rope to like walk to where like yeah. you're, you're trying to uh, add representation without mi like misinterpretation, you know, yeah. or misrepresentation. So like, that is one of those things to where I feel like this game did it well. And, and that was one of the things that kind of like stood out to me early on while I was playing was that the fact that like, I, I normally don't see that sort of like uh, that, even that attempt in most of these mm -hmm. kind of these type of games, e even in yeah. city builders, you're mostly playing as like, like say city skylines, you're, you're playing as like this distant, uh, like disfigured or not disfigured, but like this person that you can't really see, you know, like mm -hmm. you're, uh, you're ob almost omnipotent and you're like the mayor that, that doesn't have a face and like, city skylines you're playing as is like a cult you're playing as different cultures but you're really just playing as a figurehead of those different mm -hmm. cultures so that it's kind of different to see like a hands-on approach at what people like 
at different cultures and especially in this genre so i want to give you kudos because yeah. that was one of the things that kind of like struck me as far as like hey i want to check that game out because of the representation aspect yeah and uh i think it was really appreciated i did, I, I did focus hard not to like add anything religious in it i thought that was mm-hmm. important like there's no totem poles or anything that can be identified as a specific culture but people have said you know like wow i can't believe you use that you know a, that boat type that's native to my to the philippines or things like mm-hmm. that so it's been appreciated i think and i don't uh, know why i mean the world that we have is so uh diverse and mm-hmm. wonderful there's bounds of inspiration all around it really is. It really yeah. is. Uh, you you mentioned people earlier. Like, mm-hmm. what? How do you feel about the reception about the game? You know, this is your first game you put out. Like, the first time you've almost been like that. Your work has been on display for everyone. What's that reception been like for you? Yeah, it's rough. I mean, the um, the launch mm-hmm. was uh, stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. I thought it would be like, you know, seeing your kid go to graduation, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just proud and there's tears and stuff, but instead it's like, I don't know. It's, it was a wild experience. I actually had an appendicitis at the same time. Oh, wow. Anyways. uh, But (laughs) I think people really like it, like the game. They appreciate that sense of wonder Mm -hmm. that the game has. Um, And I think is unique to uh, indie games at the moment because it's risky to make a game like this as a big it really company. Is. Yeah. Because, um, and I understand why, because some people do play the game and they say, oh, it's not for me. And they mm-hmm. bounce off it, which is fair. That's, I do that. You know, I tried to play um, <laughs> games like Call of Duty and I'm just like, not for me. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So it kind of, I think that's fair. But um, th- my biggest issue was um, there were a lot of bugs. There's still some, but not mm-hmm. as many. Um, as, as a solo dev doing my first game, I had, I didn't realize, um, how many problems could arise. And there's so many interacting systems. Like you can have fire and snow and like, you can have a guy in a boat who's getting converted (laughs) by a priest, but then he's on fire. Like, and then what happens? So you have to kind of think of every single possible outcome of everything, uh, which is wild. (laughs) It's like, it really is. It really is. Yeah. But I think that's the the nature of this game is like you added an unpredictable element to it to where like mm-hmm. there's almost like it's almost like a fun chaos, you know, it's mm-hmm. almost yeah. like it's so chaotic in a fun way. But it's also that that kind of thing to where you're you're probably like thinking as a developer, like, oh, my goodness, like anything could happen. I have to like mm-hmm. I have to bu- like debug everything, so to speak, because everything's almost on the table. Yeah, and like every rule is broken at some point because there's 300 technologies, so everyone is unique. Mm-hmm. So like every house has certain rules, but then it's like, oh, wait a minute, this house does not. <laughs> this house has no walls. It's like, oh, okay. Now I got to figure out what that means in terms of the the rest of the game. Yeah, but so yeah. that's that's so fun. Like, all right, so you know the game's been out for a little bit now like mm-hmm. what lessons do you feel like you've learned throughout the development cycle and throughout the release of the the game um a few lessons <laughs> i think the first lesson is that your early access launch i did an early access period for about a mm-hmm. year the early access launch is the real launch <laughs> in my mind because 
in most players' minds, you know, if they're paying money for a game, they expect it to be completed, mm -hmm. which in my case uh, was all right because it was a roguelite. So there's a lot of, basically I created the game systems and then I had seven or six updates after that, which just added more content, uh, which yeah. was a good system. For other developers out there, your, early, <laughs> your first time you're on Steam is the real launch. I was just um, about to ask if you had any advice for, for developers. So this is a good segue. Yeah. Uh, but the, and after the launch, after the real launch, I would say my biggest, I guess this, this is to other developers as well, but my biggest uh, mistake was um, I put too much, I don't want to say this, maybe this sounds bad. <laughs> I put too much time into the game, I think. I spent a lot of hours like day in, day out. And I didn't go out and do like real world things uh, for, you know, about two years, which is kind of, you know, I put weight and I always read these stories of like, oh, indie, indie devs, you know, putting in 60, 80 hours a week. And um, they're not exaggerating. <laughs> in fact, they're under, they're underestimating their, their hours. Yeah, that's fun. That uh, I that's daunting. That really is. Yeah. It's like it, it's you're creating a world though. You're almost like creating yeah. a world with all these different systems and everything like that. And you're putting your all into something that you really care about. So it's like mm -hmm. that. From what I've I've been told at least, because I've never developed any any game in my life. But from what everyone tells me, it seems like it's like the most rewarding, stressful thing that you basically do in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it is rewarding. Like you said, it's a hobby, mm -hmm. so it's been fun to make. You know, I enjoy adding new things to it. And, and actually, I enjoy fixing problems as well, which is a good plus. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's just a huge journey to take. And uh, I, wouldn't re I don't regret it at all. That's great. So let's, yeah. um, let's talk about uh, some of the gamers that should be interested in, in the game. Like, who would you say this game is for? I think this game is for more casual gamers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's for people who are interested in the city builder genre, but don't like the numbers management because <laughs> of uh, there is, you don't have that kind of, uh, you don't have the numbers management, like we said before. Mm -hmm. So I think if you really like games that are kind of reactionary or for example, I really like uh, Enter the Gungeon or ro roguelites like that. It's so good. I yeah. I think people like if you like uh, Cult of the Lamb, you'll like mm -hmm. Kind as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, that that's a that's some good comps right there. You know, mm -hmm. I kind of can get that into the the dungeon and Cult of the Lamb vibes from this, especially, you know, I would also throw in some of the, you know, like if you're a civilization fan or at least at least like um a I'd probably say CD Skylines fan, you should at least give this game a shot because like mm -hmm. the game is not apples to apples by any means, but it it does have some of the same kind of core mechanics and almost that same kind of like almost like chill and relax experience that you get from those games as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. And I think if you uh, if if you don't have a lot of time and you want to play city builder games, this is a good one as well. Yeah, that, <laughs> Perhaps, that's I mean, sure. I don't know. A lot of people play it all. A lot. There's there's a huge amount of content as well in in the long run. So um, I, I really wanted to talk about that. You made a game that's very content heavy. Was that the initial like 
the initial outset or a mindset or was this kind of like one of those things to where like you started and you were like, I want to add this, I want to add this now let's add this. Or was this supposed to be a smaller project than what it actually turned out to be? Um, it turned out to be almost exactly how I planned. Oh, so I had cool. like an eight step, um, an eight step, um, development. What is it called? Roadmap mm -hmm. from the beginning but I did not know how ambitious that plan was from the beginning. <laughs> so it was bigger than I thought it was, but it has everything that I planned in it. Um, oh, that's really so, cool. Like each one of the maps, each one of the thinkers, which is the village leaders um, came out with a different update. And um, yeah, over time things did get added, but uh, there's a lot of community additions as well. People who request things like, oh, you know, we should have mushrooms in the game. Okay, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> So as long as there's something that I can add that's unique and not like a duplicate of something else mm -hmm. um, and makes, then I will add it in. Uh, I'm still adding content, by the way. Uh, I didn't plan on having such a long play um, time, like mm -hmm. a, a required play time for the 100 percenting initially. The initial plan was just to make it pure roguelike where you just play a random game and a random map <laughs> And that's it. And then you win or lose, and then you come back, and then you play another random one. And people didn't like that. They wanted like a little bit more structure. So I ended up adding like a quest system where you do certain challenges to complete different um, quests and unlock more stuff that way, which is kind of cool. I think it's better that way after the fact. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people like would probably think this was a, a daunting experience considering how long it is, but it's actually like it's a lot of quick hit. So it, it mm -hmm. even though you're playing a longer title, it does it doesn't feel like it adds up, you know? Yeah, and you by no means have to play it for a long time either. You can get the full experience in the in the beginning. Uh, yeah, there is a free demo by the way. So if you're <laughs> interested to like, oh, you know, I made us all try to you can try out the the free demo. All right, so let's segue into that. Where can people find this de demo? Uh, on Steam, yeah, on the Kainga Seeds of Civilization Steam. It's also on GOG. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. so. So, yeah, this is a was this game originally always planned to be just a, a PC only game? It was, um, yes, because. Uh, it's my first game, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. People, a lot of people have asked to port it to Switch, and I think mm -hmm. it could work on Switch or Steam Deck. I don't know about Xbox and PlayStation. doesn't seem like that type of game, although Age of Empires 2 is doing well on Xbox, so who knows? Yeah. Strategy games might work. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to keep it as simple as possible, and, and I ended up making a complex game anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing people always ask for is multiplayer mm -hmm. because it, a lot of city builders have multiplayer and it kind of makes sense. You pit yourself against another player. And that was just kind of a, a constraint of my ability. I didn't want to dive into multiplayer. So I didn't, I didn't build it with multiplayer in mind, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately. So do you think um, hindsight being 2020, do you think you would have um, added a multiplayer component to the game? You know, when I launched it, I said, no, absolutely not. But now mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, yeah, I should have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I will, you know, if, if, uh, the, if the signs come together, then I, I will see if I can put it. But I think it'll be difficult because of the randomness. 
yeah people might think it would be unfair to say like oh well you got better technologies mm -hmm. and then you know it's, so it's i don't know if it could be competitive it might have to be cooperative yeah i i kind of get that vibe myself um when i was thinking of it i was thinking more of like a co-op couch uh, co-op experience either online or, or couch co-op but mm -hmm. like more so than even in couch co-op would probably be a little hard component but like you know very much like a like a co-op situation more so than a multiplayer like mm -hmm. pvp situation yeah it'd be hard to balance that <laughs> yeah for sure for sure how come there's no lightning in your town <laughs> yeah and then it's also like how do you dictate who's the village leader do you have two village leaders you know right well, thinkers think you know yeah yeah possibly or they would each have their own village that would be allied. I don't know. Yeah, it's a that's a lot to take in, especially exactly, yeah. with all the chaos going on around it. It's like yeah. it's a huge undertaking. I, so, I want to ask you: um, the development cycle was about four years for this game. Like, do you feel like? Yeah, I know, I know you're doing continuous updates and everything like that. Do you? feel like the the focus right now for you is to continue updating this game and see kind of like what this game becomes over time or do you feel like after four years you're kind of like I kind of want to see what the next game is going to be like I kind of want to move on to a different project um to be honest both <laughs> a little bit so, both. this game is um when I was when I launched it I was kind of tired of it I was like wow mm -hmm. because I worked you know so hard but um now it's been a couple months and every time I open it up, it's like, it's so cool. I just like <laughs> love getting into the world and I play, you know, mess around with the characters and stuff. Uh, I love it. So I've actually been working on updates at the moment. Um, I'm working on alternate sides of the, each of the thinkers. With the, I call them B sides, like a cassette tape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so they're a little bit more complex sides. And at the same time, I'm working on a new game as well. That's exciting. Uh, which is kind of a smaller scale project. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you too much details about the new game yet, but like, how do you feel like a lot of the lessons you learned from um, Kangas, uh, like, is going to translate into this game? Or do you feel like it's it's a continuous learning process with the new project? Um, I think it's, it's uh, definitely a lot of the stuff, a lot of my education from that game will carry over. I basically knew nothing when I started. So, mm -hmm. and now I feel kind of unstoppable that I can do <laughs> I can do anything really which that's is cool. amazing it's a much better feeling because the first couple the first couple the first year or so is just like you know just trying to figure out what programming means mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and now i can just open it up open up a, a new project and I'd start prototyping right away which is cool it it almost feels like you've learned a new language, so to speak. At least from what I hear, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and now you and now you're just almost fluent, so fluent that it feels second nature. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned a couple languages, so this would be uh, <laughs> the the only difference between this language and real languages is you can't actually share it with anyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I guess it's like yeah, like learning guitar, or painting. You know, it's once you. Mm -hmm. The, the threshold of learning is so steep but then once you at some point it kind of like clicks and then you start progressing a lot faster oh that's really cool like out of curiosity how many languages do you know i speak english spanish and thai oh wow yeah oh wow i'm assuming you're in germany right now no Ger are you learning germany i've or german 
no, I'm not. <laughs> I should be. <laughs> but I've, I studied a lot of other languages. I studied Japanese and Korean. I studied Hindi, uh, French, and Italian. That's and, really cool. Uh, I just, uh, I've been, I, most of them I haven't picked picked up past the conversational level. Mm-hmm. So when I came to German, we moved here, I was fully intending to like start taking German lessons and things, but I just can't be bothered <laughs> to like learn how to say spoon or purple or I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's just a big list of vocabulary to, to get to the initial part. Okay, one one last question because I don't want to get too in the weeds with um, yeah that's yeah. The, yeah too in the weeds but like I I'm curious like do, uh, like as a person who's never been to Germany like uh, like uh, you're able to get by like really easy with the other languages you've acquired do does a lot of people like speak a lot of the other languages you know uh yeah English is pretty prevalent most of okay. Europe um, okay so it, it does does good enough I do speak a bit of German too you know okay. when I need it. <laughs> yeah but i wouldn't say it's fluent that's really cool that's really yeah. cool so back going back to the game what is your favorite feature of kanga that's a good question my favorite <laughs> feature uh i like a lot of the mechanical decisions this is probably mm-hmm. not the answer you want to hear but <laughs> <laughs> i like the idea of the thinkers um being the village leaders that you have to protect them uh they're like the king in chess that they're slow and useless, but you know, if they die, then you lose. Uh, I like that they have to go out and get the find the technologies out in the world. I think that's really cool. But um, what else I like is I like the world itself. I think it really came together in a way that's ridiculous, but also makes perfect sense with itself. <laughs> so you see things and you're like, well, of course, you know, that's how it is. Um, I like the creatures the crustacean which is this giant crab which is burrows underground and then it comes out of the ground and can carry buildings away or trees and i think it's such a cool sight to see and um those kinds of things i really i really like yeah you? You, um that's a, I, okay that's a really good question as well i think um my aspect is the roguelike element. I really enjoy that no no two like runs feel the exact same, and mm-hmm. it, I and I also enjoy the different maps because it adds another variety or another like kind of like element to that I kind of always have to think about because like some are like more vertical than others, like to where you have to use that that kind of like thought process of like okay now do I need to build like a ladder system or like how am I going to handle like this almost mountainous area that's like right beside me. So like that element is something I don't see in in city builders very often, at least like not the one I played very much. So that one had, it made me think in a almost four dimensional sort of way, as opposed to like the traditional, oh, like I can easily clear out that, like these four landscapes and then I'll just build something on top of that. Like the way you built the world, it's almost like I have to, almost adapt and figure out how what's my place in the world versus the other way around you know like versus me shaping the world so to speak and i i like that element i really do it's like it's a different mindset than what i was accustomed to but i think that's probably my favorite aspect of the game overall yeah that's really that's exactly what i was going for it's pretty cool to hear um just the way that when you open it up that you see okay i'm in the desert i have tons of space low resources what do i do with that or you're in the jungle i've got a lot of resources um but it's gonna flood how do i get to high ground things like that 
what yeah. what like so yeah you created so many different um like maps in, included into this we haven't kind of brushed on that well like did you always intend to have such like variety of of um environments in the game yeah i always wanted to have that verticality um to have each map have their own specific challenge to overcome as well so each map has at least one resource that they're short on to try to switch things up otherwise mm -hmm. you can you get into this rhythm of like oh i can just all i need to do is you know get the get this resource and i'll be fine so sometimes i like to switch it up and each thinker has their own play style which uh, switches it up a little mm -hmm. bit as well and something i'm working on as well at the moment is the is uh, map modifiers oh that's cool. like a, a, an additional change to the maps um so there's a giant map that's called Ice Ridge, uh, mm -hmm. which is a, like a big mountain. There's a lot of snow, a lot of wood, forests and things like that. And I want to, you know, if it has a modifier, suddenly it's a volcano. So that has different issues, different problems you have to overcome. Oh, that's really cool. So like, yeah. I was going to ask you, what, what does support look like um, for like the next year or so? What's the, uh, can you give us a little sneak peek into the roadmap? Yeah, I hope to have the next actually a pretty big update um, ready um, by the the end of May. Oh, that's cool. That's really, that's really close. Mid June, I think, mid June. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's gonna, it's gonna have a lot of content, a lot of stuff for, to increase that, uh, that replayability as well. Like the map modifiers, you know, you can, if you play the, the same map over and over, you can get that diversity. Okay. Um, I also wanted to ask you about like um the community element. Is there like a Discord for um that people can interact with other players, or is there another community page for the game? Um, yeah, you can. I have a Twitter account if you want to listen to my spam, or you can come <laughs> to the Discord if you want to chat. I do have a Discord um um server that, that I'm pretty active on. So if you have and if you have, if anyone has community suggestions or like, oh, this, you should add this or you should change this, my ears are always open and I'm always making those changes. Um, and a lot of the technologies have come from community ideas or a lot of designs, things like that, which is pretty cool to see. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So one of the things I, I wanted to bring up about the, the game before we, um, before we kind of wrap up here is like, you've had you, like you created something kind of really unique here and this is something that i feel like a lot of people like it's almost ageless it's, it's going to be timeless in a sense mm -hmm. to where like even as you continue especially with you upgrading and everything like that this game has a lot of replay value is mm -hmm. it was like that's something you intended when you initially started have like creating a game that was highly replayable yeah yeah definitely and then part of the art style is to try to get across that age, agelessness. <laughs> so like, I think if I went for a more realistic art style, that it would look old quicker, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so I tried to come up with a style that um, already looks old. <laughs> so it doesn't look any older as time goes on. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the replayability was a big part um, just to... Uh, for myself actually because you know as a developer I have to play the game thousands of times so mm -hmm. <laughs> adding all that variety it helps me uh, stay sane as well 
Um, all right. So before we go, though, like I normally do this at the the first of the show, but I kind of want to get into like the meat and potatoes of everything. Like, can you describe yourself as a gamer? Like, what's your gaming history like? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> gaming history. I'm actually all over the map. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy, like I said, uh, Enter the Gungeon is one of my favorite games. I like Dead Cells. Um, another roguelite, like a 2D platformer roguelite. I, um, I also, I really like some uh, pick up and play games, which I've also taken some inspiration from, like Deep Rock Galactic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, it's a first person shooter cooperative game, but it also has the same, like, you know, 10 to 30 minute runs um, that you just play after work and then you're done, you know, that kind of thing. What else? Uh, before that, I played a lot of Civ, um, City Skylines a bit. I played Sim City when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, World of Warcraft, <laughs> <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, but I play, I play a lot of indie games um, to kind of see what the market's, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been some really great creative games coming out uh, in the past couple of years. It's really exploded. Yeah, that indie market is like, it's it's so cool to see it, like all these ideas, whether mm-hmm. like the, some of them are off the wall crazy and then some of them are more nuanced and down the earth. But like the indies, like the indie landscape right now continues to impress me. Like there's so many weird and cool creative like things that have been coming out lately. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I cannot tell you like, I talk about this all the time on the show. Like I am so blown away and always taken by surprise with like the creativity of other people when it comes to the indie games. So mm-hmm. that's something that like continues to impress me before we go though. Like this is a show all about video game recommendations. I want to get a recommendation from you. What games besides Kanga should people check out? What would you, what would be one game that you'd recommend to the audience? Um, I would recommend let me think about it here. <laughs> I have one in my mind, but I don't know if it's fair. Yeah, I would recommend a game called Against the Storm. Oh, okay. Can you tell which, people about it real quick? Yeah, so it's also it also labels itself as a roguelite city builder. Mm-hmm. But I would say where my game is more roguelite, their game is more city builder. Oh, okay. But it's kind of basically you do build multiple cities, but this... Um, uh, and there is meta progression between those cities, but it is more of a numbers management game. Uh, the games are longer, like an hour or two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're into, if you take a look at Kainga and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't really what I want. I'm a more city builder than Against the Storm is where you're going for. Okay. If you play Against the Storm and you're like, wait a minute, this is too much numbers, then come play Kainga. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That, that yeah. to me was like the perfect... I plug answer of like you also recommending someone else's yeah. game, but also turning around where the, you you got another recommendation for yours. I like that. I like that. You you yeah. got a you got a skill in this business of podcasting <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, it just turned out the way, I guess. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So Eric, it's been really fun talking to you. Before we go though, where can the good people find you? Um, you find me on Discord for the most part. That's where I spend most of my hours um so i'll i'll give you my discord channel mm-hmm. otherwise it's on the steam page as well so feel free to find it there and uh yeah all right everyone so like 
don't forget we also need you to go to steam and you know epic wherever like on wherever you prefer to play your um pc games and check out kanga like this game is absolutely fun it blew me away as a person who's into like sim um sim games as well as like as well as city builder games as well as just roguelike games because you know if you've listened to the show you know i'm deep into the roguelike um Mm -hmm. environment right now in the roguelike genre Definitely go check this one out. Uh, the link to the game, the Discord, and the and his Twitter will be in the description of this episode. So you have no excuses, everyone. Go check it out. And also, you know, like like I mentioned before on the top of the show, join the single player experience Discord server, the perfect place for single player gamers to find out about good single player games to play. You can ask me questions about this game and about other video game recommendations that you should definitely check out. But Alas, that is all the time we have for this episode. I've been Sebastian, that's been Eric, and we're out. Until next time, everyone, bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Anytime. So, hey, thank you so much for watching the video. If you liked the video, hit that like button. Also, for more videos just like this one, go ahead and hit that subscribe button right here. Thanks again for watching the video, and for more like it, stay right here at the Pro Nerd Report channel. So that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for watching the video. If you like the video, don't forget to hit that like button. Also hit the subscribe button for more videos just like this one. I also want to let you know about the single player experience discord server. It's a perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games that they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good single player games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game you think should be recommended and should be reviewed, let me know about it right there. Before we go, I just want to thank you once again for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace.